Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you so much for the privilege of being with you tonight and being with you in this uh, convention. It's a real blessing for Joanna and I to be here. And we just want to really thank you for your support for SIM and SIM work around the world, particularly for Darren and Ruthie, but actually for many other, a number of other SIM missionaries, past and present, that you have supported in their work around the world. SIM is a worldwide team, and so your participation and partnership takes the gospel to different corners of the earth. So thank you so much for your partnership, and thank you for the welcome. Tonight, I want us to reflect a little bit on the theme of this conference, Pray the Lord of the Harvest, but actually to look at a parable of Jesus in doing that. But before I do that, I just want to give you a a background to this story and what it meant for me personally, but for Joanna and I, and I've called this connecting with the Father's heart as we pray the Lord of the harvest. Connecting with the Father's heart as we pray the Lord of the harvest. You just heard that SIM is celebrating 125 years this year, and that is true. The first three SIM missionaries went out to Nigeria from North America in 1893. They arrived in Lagos on the 4th of December, 1893. But within a year, two of them were dead. They were actually quite young. The oldest, when they left North America, was 25, and the youngest was 21. And the two oldest were dead, 25-years-old Gawan and 23-years-old Kent. And it remained only Bingham, who was now 22 in Nigeria, who returned to North America to not just pack it up and go home, but to recruit new workers. Can you imagine a 22-year-old who didn't give up when his colleagues were dead? And that is how the work in Nigeria started. And that's the picture of the three of them up there. And every grave you can see here are graves of missionaries or missionary kids Nigeria, the price that was paid just so that someone like me can stand before you today. In 1911, an athlete from Manitoba arrived in my part of Nigeria. His name was Guy Playfair. He was sent to Urago to reach the Yoruba people of the Igbomina land. And when he arrived, he set out to reach the area with the gospel. Within a a short time, the Lord had brought one or two young men into the life of Guy Playfair who had come to faith. And with these two people, he started going around trying to bring the gospel to different corners of that part of Nigeria. This was what his journey looked like. They walked by foot. And in 1913... Guy Playfair entered the village called Owa Orioke. Don't worry about whether you know how to write that or not. And he started preaching the gospel. 
And very quickly, some people responded to the message because he had come in, come in with another uh, African from Urago. So they were very responsive to the message. But quickly, there was persecution. And the persecution was so severe of those who had come to faith in Jesus that the, the village actually split into two. You will understand why the, the persecution was so strong. This was the kind of God that the people worshipped. They worshipped carved woods and stones. Some of them were Muslims. They were animistic Muslims. And they didn't want to leave their religion. And so they persecuted those who had come to faith in Jesus. Eventually, the village split into two. The believers moved away. And eventually, the non-believers moved away as well. The believers moved to this point, from this point to this point, and then the non-believers moved also from this point here. They moved away apart from each other. But Jesus never gave up on them. A couple of years later, another person in this new village came to faith in Jesus. That's the village that had rejected the gospel and moved away from those who had believed in Christ. And because of the work of this man and the encouragement of the missionaries who continue to support the work to reach these very people who had turned away from the gospel, the church was planted. And the little village you are looking up here is the village of Owaoniri. And through the good news of Jesus Christ in that village, because the missionaries did not give up, because they never ceased to pray for those who had never had the gospel, because they never lost their heart for the lost. That's why I stand before you today. Because my people and my family were those who turned their back on the gospel. They did not want the gospel. But the God of grace never gave up on them. The God of grace never gave up on them. At the beginning of this convention tonight, we sang that song, Our God Saves. That God saved my family, and that God saved me. How can anyone believe that exactly a hundred Years from the year that Guy Playfair walked into my village, one of the sons of those who turned their back on the gospel will become the international director of the very mission he came with. Only God can do that. Only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. And that is what this week is about. That's a picture of my family. And today, I come from a home that is completely Christian. In fact, as I share with you, my younger brother is the head of the Evangelical Alliance in Nigeria called Nigeria Evangelical Fellowship. That is something only God can do. But the only way God does that is by using people. It is by the work 
of God through people. So tonight, I want us to reflect on this God whose heart is for the lost and who has invited his people to join him in the work that he is doing among the lost around the world. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus told a parable, and we're not going to go into details in this book, but I just want us to reflect on what Jesus had to say here. This was a parable from our Lord, and it was in response to people who were accusing him of spending time with sinners and tax collectors. In chapter 15, verse 1, we read that now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And in verse 2, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eat with them. So he told them this parable, saying, so Jesus was welcoming sinners and receiving tax collectors, the people, the kind of people that respectable people like the Pharisees don't associate with. Perhaps the kind of people we will not want to associate with today either. Jesus was welcoming such people. And the respectable people were grumbling about that. So Jesus told them a parable. But before we go into that parable, let me say a word of prayer. Father, I ask now as we go into your word that you simply reach our hearts with your truth. I give, I give this moment to you, Holy Spirit, that you alone will speak into the heart of your people. Thank you, Father. We welcome you here. In Jesus' name, amen. In response to this, this accusation, this grumbling, Jesus told two, three parables, and all the parables were focused on the lost. The first parable was the lost coin. Excuse me, the lost sheep. Jesus told the parable of a lost sheep. And if a man loses a sheep, will he not leave the remaining 99 and go after that which was lost? And Jesus then concluded and said, the same way there is great joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who needed no repentance. And then he told the second one, a woman with 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, and this, the silver coins we understand some of the Perhaps sometimes they are engagement type of coins. So it's almost the equivalent of, equivalence of losing your, your wedding ring. And if she loses it, will she not search the house until it is found? And when it is found, it will, she will call the neighbor and say, rejoice with me. And then he told a third parable, which is the one we are focusing on tonight. A man with two sons. And because of our time, I'm not going to read the whole story. But this man, his young son, younger son, got up and said to the father, give me my portion of, your, of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them and gave the portion to the younger son who took his portion and departed. 
Maybe you've read this song, this story many times. And I know in many of our Bibles it's titled The Prodigal Son. But in fact, this story is not about being prodigal. The story is about being lost. The prodigal ways of that son is to accentuate the story, the parable. The reality was that this son was lost. You see, the son took everything. The fact that this son even asked for his inheritance while the father was still alive was a serious breach of decorum. Because in the culture where I come from, we don't, you don't share inheritance until the person is dead. I don't know, maybe you do that here. We don't do that. In fact, to say this kind of a statement to the father is for a son to say to the father, you are now dead to me, so I want the portion of the estate that belonged to me. It's to turn your back on your family to regard them as no, no longer alive. And so this son took the portion and went away. And we know what happened to him. He spent the money, wasted it. And so, in verse 15, after losing everything, and when there was farming in the land, he hired himself to a wealthy citizen in the country who sent him to feed swine. And now you can imagine a Jew feeding swine. Remember, this is a context. This is a Jewish context. The story was being told to Pharisees and scribes, the people who opposed Jesus talking to sinners. So you can see the depth of the sin of this man. He had just defiled his father. Now he's going to feed swine. He's just gone from frying pan, you say, into fire. And in fact, he was so hungry that he wished that he could eat what the swine were eating. But no one would give it to him. And then in verse 18, the son came to his senses. And then decided, I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he was right. He's really no longer worthy to be called this father's son. Verse 22. But the father, excuse me, from verse 20. So he got up and came, but... While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son, and the son then started telling the father, but the father won't hear it in verse 22. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. You see, this father never gave up on his son. This was a lost son. This son was lost to the house of his father. But this father never gave up on this son. The fact that the father will see this son afar off means that the father had continued to look out and perhaps hope that one day this son will come back home. 
But there was another brother, an older brother who was on the field. In verse 25, now the son, the older son was in the field, and when he came and, and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. He summoned one of the servants to began inquiring, what was this sound? And they said, your brother has come. And how did the older son reply? In verse 28, but he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected the command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened cow for him. And the father said, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. This is one of the few stories of Jesus that had no resolution. There was no record that this son ever came into the house. In fact, the Lord left us hanging with this story. He didn't go back to tell his disciples the end of the story. He left it there. Because in reality, who was more lost between these two sons? I suspect from the context of the story that the older brother was actually far more lost than the younger brother. Although the, old, the younger brother was lost to the house of the father, the older brother was lost to the heart of the father. That, younger, that older brother could not see the longing on the father's face, the heart of the father, hoping and seeking and expecting that his son will return. You see, in the other stories, you had someone who went and searched until found. There was a farmer who will search for a sheep until found. You have a woman who will search for a lost coin until found. It was in this story that you had no one to search. The lost son had no one to search. No one to connect with the heart of the father. No one to Come to this father and say, we will help you find this son of yours. Not even the older brother. The older brother was too preoccupied with his own thing, with what he wanted from the father, that he could not sense the heart of the father. You have not even given me a goat. Of course, he could have killed a goat with, for his friends if he wanted, couldn't he? The rest of the inheritance belonged to him. The father said, all I have is yours. Seemed like a good excuse not to go in, isn't it? The heart. Connecting with the heart of the father. The son was not connecting with the heart of the father. And I believe that this conference is about connecting with the heart of the father. You see... 
Those three young men connected with the heart of the father before they came to Nigeria. They were told when they landed in Nigeria that they were not going to survive Nigeria. They were told that they will not see the Sudan. And within a year, two of them were dead. But they were connecting with the heart of the father. You see, Guy Playfair had to be connecting with the heart of the father to come to a tiny village like the one I just showed you, a village in the middle of nowhere in Nigeria so that we, who used to be the unreached people, we, who used to be the community where Christ was not known, we, who used to die, live and die without the gospel of Christ so that we may receive the good news that our God saves He had to connect with the heart of the Father for that to happen. We've chosen the theme, pray the Lord of the harvest. That statement was made three times by Jesus, and it seemed like in the gospel record, they were made in different circumstances. Two of the circumstances were very similar, but in each of these circumstances where Jesus made the the command, gave the command to his followers, to his disciples, to pray the Lord of the harvest, to send laborers into his harvest. They were contexts of the lost. In, in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, where Jesus told them to go, it was in the context of sending out laborers, workers, into the harvest. You see, in chapter 9, Jesus had sent out the twelve. And then in chapter 10, he was now sending out the 70 or the 72, according to your reading of the Greek. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In the Matthew account, Jesus used the statement that they should go only to the lost sheep of Israel. The lost Sheep of Israel. The prayer to send laborers into the harvest is because there were people, there are people who are lost to the house of the Father. And the Son wanted us to join in bringing those lost into the house of the Father. But the Father Himself will send the laborers, but He has chosen to partner with us, human beings, to make that happen. You see, it's not that God couldn't do whatever he wanted, but he chose within his own divine authority, power, and will to invite us into that process. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. In the account, in the book of John, it was in the situation where Jesus had just finished with the woman by the well, the Samaritan woman by the well, He had just finished with that woman when the disciples came back and they brought food and they wanted him to eat. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. They are white for harvest. Jesus just said that four months, it's four months to the harvest. Well, Jesus was not talking about the harvest of wheat or the harvest of barley. He was talking about the harvest of human souls for the Father. 
His will was to do the will of him, or his food was to do the will of him that sent him. And he wanted the participation of his followers in doing that will of the Father, praying the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. But he said, look, look up, look up and see. You see, the older brother was not looking, so he couldn't see. Are you looking so you can see? You see, there are still many around our world today who are just as lost as those, that, those sons to their father. People who are as lost as my parents were when they turned their back on the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are still many corners of the earth where the gospel is still needed. There are still many people, even in this city, that needs us to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to them. The question is, will you participate in that prayer? And if you choose to participate, are you willing to be the answer to your own prayer? Because it will be the greatest hypocrisy to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers when you don't want to be that laborer. In the Matthew story, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then the Bible says in verse 36 of chapter 9, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without shepherd. And Jesus made that statement. The harvest is plentiful. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Tonight, he's inviting us to join in that prayer because there are still many who are lost like these two sons to the Father. Connecting with the heart of our God means joining in this prayer and being willing to be the answer to this prayer. I don't know what your plan for your life might be. When I sensed the Lord was calling me into missions, I told God that my life plan did not include being a missionary. Plus, I'm an African, and we Africans don't do that. You see, we Africans receive missionaries. We don't send. So, God, you will need to look somewhere else for missionaries. My prayer had not included the possibility that God might actually invite me to be a part of that harvest force. But I'm grateful to the Lord that he didn't give up on me as he didn't give up on my parents. So tonight, I invite you to join in this prayer, to connect your heart with the Father's heart. As we, through this week, go through this you know, convention, what will God want you to do in response to the lost of the world? Because many, like my parents, are still living in darkness, waiting for someone to bring them that light of life. Will you be the one? And will you pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest? Monday and Tuesday, by God's grace, we will be at the SIM stand. And if you would like to speak to us or chat with us, please join us at the Global Village. We will be there to speak with you or answer any questions you may have. Father, I pray that our hearts may be soft enough to hear your call. That we will pray and we will be willing to be the answer to our own prayers that the harvest is truly white. Help us to look up. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.